0: We often promote people because of their technical expertise in whatever field that is, because they're doing such a great job that we say, okay, here, now you have your leadership position. But it actually requires different skills, right? So what made you a good team player doesn't necessarily make you a good leader. So it's really about um, supporting people to, to, to be able to develop those skills.
1: Welcome to the Super Managers Podcast, where we interview leaders from all walks of life to tease out the habits thought patterns, learnings, and experiences that help them be extraordinary at the fine craft of management. Our goal is to bring you the lessons and the insights so that you don't have to learn through your own mistakes, but so that you can shortcut your way to being a great leader. This podcast is brought to you by Fellow, a software platform that helps managers and their teams collaborate on meeting agendas, track action items, and turn chaotic meetings into productive work sessions. Check it out at www.fellow.app. Hey, fellow managers and leaders. I'm Aiden, and I'm the CEO of Fellow.app. Today's guest is Dr. Julia Milner. She's a professor of leadership at EdHag business school, a leadership researcher, powerful TEDx speaker. Uh, This talk was super interesting. We dived into why leaders shouldn't give advice and what they should do instead. We also talk a lot about coaching tactics and how you can really be a coach as a leader and really stray away from doing what a lot of people think is coaching but is actually not. And she used this great phrase called a motivational micromanager. You do not want to be a motivational micromanager. You actually want to be a coach. There is a difference. And we talk a lot about that during this episode. Finally, um, I asked Julia about the concept of empathy and how you can actually test for it. There is a way to test for it during the interview process and we dive in to exactly how to do that. If you found this episode helpful to your leadership journey, send me a note on Twitter. My handle is just at Aiden at A-Y-D-I-N. I'm also on LinkedIn. And just a reminder that we're creating this Slack group. We're building a community of managers and specifically we wanna get feedback on the episodes that we're putting out there, on the content that we're creating and get your suggestions on what speakers and what guests you'd like to see on the show going forward. And without further ado, here is Dr. Julia Milner on episode 80 of the Supermanagers Podcast. Julia, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Before we dig in, I know that you know you're a leadership researcher, you're a professor, uh, you had played the role of academic director of the Global MBA program at Ed Hick Business School. Obviously, you consult with many companies and, and work to create better leaders everywhere. Uh, before we dig into a lot of those very specific things, I wanted to ask you, when you first started getting interested in leadership, what, what were the, some of the initial things that you learned and maybe some of the misunderstandings or, or things that uh, you started believing differently about as time passed?
0: For me, when, when i started to um yeah to to have a leadership role myself um i i guess i i was falling in the trap that a lot of um new term leaders do so i felt oh i have to do it all and all at the same time (laughs) and um, that's not also like to just very quickly have like huge successes and and just push very hard and i think often yeah you then push yourself too hard and I think um, it's so important. What I learned is to just, you know, just to sit and to listen, so to really listen to uh, to everyone who's in your team, um, and to trying to understand things first, um before you put anything um, into action. So that was so important. So if I could give any any tip for new time leaders, it would be just listen, <laughs> just listen, and, and and take it in.
1: Yeah, no, that that that's excellent advice. And so. You have focused a lot on leadership coaching. Uh, you've done a really popular TEDx talk where you you know talk about the fact that you don't believe in giving advice as a leadership strategy. would love to hear more about that. How could leaders not give advice? That seems a little bit counterintuitive at first
0: yeah it's very funny because i just gave a tip right <laughs> for new town leaders so there you go um but yes no i mean the general concept behind it is that um yeah we tend to is as, as leaders we tend to feel like we need to have the answer for everything and so we give advice and um, and i i like to sometimes compare this um to to doing a diet because it's something that you know with the pandemic people can relate to <laughs> so maybe you gain a little bit of weight and you you kind of like think like oh okay, okay, well, I, I want to get back into shape. So then somebody comes up with this, you know, specific eating plan and tells you do this and then this and eat this and not that. And then it might've worked for one person, but it's not you. So for example, I love, I mean, I'm in Southern France, right? So I love having a glass of wine and, and I have two young children. So, um, there's always a lot of chocolate. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just what it is. So if you would give me like a diet plan and tell me, okay, you can't drink any alcohol and you can't drink any chocolate, it sounds really bad, doesn't it? <laughs> but anyways, then I would probably fail. Okay, so it would might make much more sense to maybe ask me about, you know, my day-to-day life and what can I maybe do more of or less of, um, because it fits with what I'm doing. That's kind of like the same with with, with leadership, you know. So. Maybe you as a leader think, oh, we could do it this way. But your team member has been working on the project and has been talking to the customers and has lots of new insights. So by telling everyone what to do exactly, you're micromanaging and then you miss out all of these great um, opportunities. So and it's also much less motivating. So going back to the diet, if you tell me, okay eat these many grams in the morning and this much what, what is popular right now not anymore the cabbage soup diet that was many years ago but I'm sure there's something caveman <laughs> or whatever but it's it's also not so motivating right because it's like okay they want me to do this and then yeah maybe it's easier to follow in the beginning because you have like a plan but then there's nothing else coming from it. So if leaders rather empower others to come up with their own solution, you know, so instead of telling them what to do, asking questions like, okay, what have been doing so far? What has been working? What's, what's your opinion? You know, then working that out, Um, yeah, it's much more motivating also for people.
1: In the world that I come from, which is uh, you're basically starting tech companies and um, working with, uh, or having a lot of friends that are founders. It's, it's very similar because you'll often get business or startup advice. And if you follow this stuff blindly, you will actually fail. Uh, because like advice applies to very, very, very specific scenarios and it doesn't really work. You know, I find one of the things that I've heard is that it's, it's not that you can't share experience, but it's much better to say, hey, I had a situation and it was similar. Here was the context. Here's what happened. Here's what I decided. And here's what the outcomes were. Now take from that what you will. Do not copy blindly. So
0: this is what we would be calling mentoring. (laughs) So this would be if somebody, you know, who has more experience in the field uh like shares their experience with somebody who has less less experience in what they're doing and then from there and so mentoring is actually similar to coaching in the sense of you do similar skills like you know listening and questioning and so on so um yeah so i guess there are some overlaps but we sometimes say you know if you're coaching you you, you try to less bring in like your own experience on how it was but you just really just focus more on, on the person and try to understand more about their situation and their perspective. So um sometimes leaders then you know say to you in the beginning, oh but then I'm doing nothing. If I'm if I'm not giving advice I'm doing nothing. Sorry, but you know I'm in a leadership position for a reason. <laughs> I should be doing something. And I always I compare it with like um to a duck, you know, which is like swimming on a on a lake. And from the outside, it might look like very calm and, you know, you don't do much, but actually underneath you will have to do lots of paddling in order to, yeah, to really listening and to asking the right question and to challenge people and, um, you know, to also provide some structure to the conversation, obviously. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so this is really interesting because like, this is what I wanted to get at, which is the, you know, does that mean that like, if all you're doing is listening and asking questions, you know, should we just basically go higher you know, executive coaches to be the managers at our companies.
0: It's so funny that you said, um, "If I'm just doing listening, because it's like one of these skills which is so how can we say it? Sometimes underappreciated. We, we like think, oh, uh, everybody is like such a great listener, right? I mean, if you ask, I don't know, your partner or." Or, you know, are you a great listener? Usually everybody goes like yes, of course, darling. Oh, really? listening. I don't I don't hear that you're listening. That and whilst you <laughs> you doing something else, you know, you go like through the shopping list in your own head or so. So even if like from the outside you might like signal things that you're listening, there's from a coaching perspective, you really want to dig into it. I guess there are there are more there are more levels, you know, to to really, I don't know, to listen for example sensory frame so how is somebody talking and should be matching that more and 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 so there's lots of more things I guess I guess you can do so I always would say invest more time into really uh really good listening skills um that would be kind of like the first step but um because you mentioned executive coaches so what we've been seeing now um so I, I guess in the beginning it was more these executive coachings external coaches coming into an organization and you know, working with the high performers. So it was like, oh, you're doing such a great job. Here you have your executive coach. Um, and then kind of like also followed into a bit more, oh, you're doing such a bad job. So you go and talk to the coach. <laughs> and um, but nowadays what we're seeing is more of these leaders as coaches. So these are your normal, ordinary, you know, managers who are including coaching skills in the way they interact. So it's kind of like, part of a leadership style. I always say it's you know it shouldn't be like the only style. So it should not be like you know coaching is not the solution for everything. Um, but it's definitely nowadays times and with the different generations and the the way we work and the way it changed definitely something that leaders should be yeah should be aware of.
1: So I I love all of the nuance here. I hundred percent agree that the. Getting really good at listening is actually a very difficult skill. Uh, we've had many guests uh, who've talked about active listening and then like investing in learning how to be an active listener. Um, and it's one of those things where most people are probably worse than average, but they believe that they're better than average. So 100% agree with you there. So this is really interesting. So you're kind of like making, drawing this this line in between uh, mentorship and leadership and I found it really interesting that you didn't have like a one size fits all answer to leadership. And so coaching, uh, you said, is not the answer for everything. And it's not like the, the main modality that you should operate in. What are some other, I guess, uh, states of, of leadership? So so we've talked about men- mentorship and coaching.
0: Whilst I'm always saying, you know, you shouldn't give advice, of course course there are moments where you have to be much more directive as a leader so let's just think it's about an emergency situation you know and then you ask so how do you feel about it i mean not that coaching is all about feeling but <laughs> i'm just trying to give you you know the other extreme so of course if there is if there's time pressure or if somebody is, is new and really doesn't know the answer you know you can ask them 50 times um how do i get to the uh, i don't know to the train station and they don't know the city they won't know I mean, they can pull up their phone i guess <laughs> and look on the map but it's really about, um, you know, knowing also when when to use it. But my experience and working with leaders and having been a leader and being a leader myself, I, I think is we tend too often to fall directly into advice. So somebody comes and says, hey, can you help me? Or what am I doing? And we go directly into you should be doing this or this or this or this. So we directly go into it. And I think there's so much more opportunities and to coach people through things and it's to the benefit of of everyone so to the leader who you know long term saves time because they can focus on more strategic tasks and are not micromanaging it's very beneficial for the team member because it's more motivating and they can bring their input in and it's also beneficial for the organization so we know that you know coaching also leads to to good organizational outcomes if done in the right way
1: for someone who is um, who is maybe like listening to this and, and saying you know what like I want to apply some more coaching tactics uh, to my management style what are what are some things that they can think about or how can they start to get acquainted with some tech ta- uh, with some techniques i know you talked about it's you know start with listening what are some next steps that you think people can take
0: mm, so i've done i've done a bit of research on the topic and i think um, of course one way is, is to do a training course of course um, but there's also learning by doing and you know or, or reading some books but i think it's really getting more familiar with the concept of coaching because coaching is probably the term itself is probably like listening you know everybody thinks they can do it or yeah i just coach or they think like oh coaching is this you know this soccer coaches to stand on the side of the of the what you call this? the lines <laughs> and you know it's things i i do it so what we found in our research for example when we um when we ask um, managers to, you know, coach somebody for five minutes, just the way they understand coaching, because I mean, that that's often the reality in organizations, you know, people say, okay, well, we should do this coaching. So please coach your team now more. So what we found is what people naturally doing is um, what I, what I term motivational micromanaging. So they they, they tend to talk them with a lot of, you know, so they say things like, yay, and wouldn't it be a nice idea? And have you tried? And why don't you do this? So it's like repackaging your advice behind like a closed question. So you're still giving advice, but you're just doing it with a bit more enthusiasm. And, and I think if we do all of that then maybe we have like cheery uh, leaders <laughs> but they are more cheerleaders then right I mean this is good I mean but it's not coaching so in coaching again I would let the person arrive at their own solution I empower them to come up with their ideas and, and that's that's a bit different so
1: I just want to emphasize how interesting like the phrasing you uh, used was that most people you know they're doing motivational micromanaging Um they're packaging uh, the advice that they're giving with enthusiasm and and they think that that's coaching. I just, I think the, I think labels are really powerful and sometimes like labels really explain very well what, um, what might not be obvious otherwise, but, but that, but that's super interesting. Like the way that you go to a soccer game and say, way to go, Jerry, you know, something like that. That's not coaching. Okay. So, uh, you can proceed, <laughs> let us know, like what are, what are some steps people can take to actually do coaching?
0: Well, I, I think it's it, it, it's good if you have a positive attitude. So if we talk about skills, so the skills we kind of like develop from our studies um, and, and, and from what we know is out there, <clears throat> uh, around, you know, listening, questioning, goal setting, uh, feedback. Then we have things like providing structure working with strengths, working with values and um, working more with a solution focused approach. So these are all things that come then into play. And what we found is that the basis for all of this is really empathy. And I think that's so, so important. And, um, I had like many leaders saying to me, "Oh, Juliet, you know what? I mean, I struggled before the pandemic. I struggled with empathy, like face to face. But now, you know, I'm leading like virtually, and I'm sorry, but how, how am I going to be empathetic, you know, while while I'm there? So I think that's something so so important for leaders to, yeah. I don't I don't know if you can say learn, but I think it's it's also a skill that absolutely can be learned. Um, it, it might be easier for some than for others. Um, but we know that. Um, In order to be a successful coach in our studies, the basis was really the empathy. So if if you can build that connection and if you have that empathy, it's much easier to put the other skills to it. Um, But I really want to encourage leaders because what we saw in our studies is that – in the beginning leaders might not be coaching, but with very short amount of training, they can really um, improve on all of those skills. Some easier to improve or quicker to improve than others, but they can for sure improve. So there's hope.
1: I really like that. I guess one of the um, one of the scenarios that like we probably run into this because we get a lot of uh, managers who are experts in their fields, uh, and then and then it makes sense. Uh, you know, there's there's some rational uh, reasons for us to, you know, turn them into managers and leaders of teams. Uh, but you've also talked about, you know, you can you can not be the expert in the room um, and really be a great manager by, you know, figuring out the expertise uh, of other people. So I guess, like, you know, for the new managers, like for someone that, say, is looking to do the you're, – you're a senior leader within an organization – you're about to promote someone into the manager role. Uh, What conversation should you have with that new manager?
0: It's kind of like paradox, isn't it? So you're right. We often promote people because of their technical expertise in whatever field that is, because they're doing such a great job that we say, okay, here, now you have your leadership position. But it actually requires different skills, right? So what made you a good manager Maybe team player doesn't necessarily make you a good leader so it's really about um you're supporting people to 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 be able to develop those skills i guess what are they looking for i mean i would always be looking for you know willingness to learn um openness um um real interest in people um i think empathy is also a very good one <laughs> to look for um and 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 to see that but uh, you know I, i'm a big believer that you can you can learn you can learn to be a good leader so um so it's, it's also giving people
1: a chance. Hey there, just a quick note before we move on to the next part. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already doing one-on-one meetings. But here's the thing, we all know that one-on-one meetings are the most powerful, but at the same time, the most misunderstood concept and practice in management. That's why we've spent over a year compiling the best information, the best expert advice, into this beautifully designed 90 plus page ebook. Now don't worry. It's not single spaced font, you know, lots of text. There's a lot of pictures. It's nice, easily consumable information. We spent so much time building it. And the great news is that it's completely free. So head on over to fellow.app slash blog to download the definitive guide on one-on-ones it's there for you. We hope you enjoy it and let us know what you think. And with that said, let's go back to the interview. So you you outlined some of the skills that you might look for in a leader. I'm curious for some things like say that you're hiring from the outside and you're looking to test for a skill like empathy because, you know, we've identified that that is really important. How do you test for empathy?
0: Mm, it's so hard, isn't it? I mean, also, a, a lot of the, the way we, we interview, you know, you, you kind of like can prepare for a topic <laughs> and then you're like, mm. but I, I I guess I I would always do what, what you are doing with me right now. So it's, it's about, you know, asking about, you know, when was the time? So share with me, how, how did you do this? You know, um, when was a time where, where you were really stressed out and um, how, how did you, you know, so letting people... People, I guess, it's harder to um, to not, not to lie, but I guess you know if you just ask what what type of leadership do you like or do you you know represent, then it's much easier for people just to say, oh, this is the standard answer that people want to hear. or what is your weakness? Everybody says, oh, I'm a perfectionist," because it's kind of like what we trained or what we heard. Oh, this is a good answer. But I think really letting people go through examples and tell stories of their own, of their own life. I think that that, that might be one, you know, one way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard, isn't it? I would, I would also always, you um, if I interview people, I always go also towards values. So what, what, what matters to a person, you know, um, because I think that's so important. I also love working with strengths you know and generally speaking um but it's it's really about the attitude like um yeah what what attitude a person um, also brings
1: yeah i agree like you know in, in a lot of these kind of like uh situational interview questions uh you often ask about a situation but what you're really looking for is some underlying characteristic um, but if you specifically ask someone, are you empathetic? I mean, it would be not, not, not a great question. To that, ask. That's so easy.
0: That's so easy. I actually, I love asking what I found like really powerful is asking people about what they regret. Oh, that's a
1: good question. <laughs>
0: I mean, I don't know. I, I can ask you. So if you think back about, you know, your, your career so far and what you've done, what is one thing you regret you did do? And one thing you regret you didn't do?
1: Um, you know, this is a yeah. This is a good question. I mean, so <laughs> coming into this unprepared, what I would say is maybe I'll turn it into a, a business question so that I can like just straight up answer it. So yeah, one thing that um, I think we uh, we we didn't do as uh, as well before was uh, use. Um, drive drive a lot of our decisions uh, with with data. So we were very late to using data in making better software. And so, you know, starting the company that we did now, we basically started with, like I think our our data person was employee number two. So we kind of overcorrected. And what's something that, you know, we did before that we are doing again, um is uh is basically never build something unless you've talked to a customer uh beforehand and they've agreed that they will use your product even before you build it
0: but there you go and i think if you if if you want to watch this back like with the video you will see also lots of the um yeah the empathy you showed me while you were talking about it <laughs> so it's i think you can you know you can tell if if a person is you know making something up or if they're really um are reflecting upon it, and I think for me it's so important. It's not to be perfect. I think that that, that that's that's completely no. I don't want to use the word, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but it's about what do you learn from it, and what's your attitude with that? Because you know, that, that's also how you want to be with yourself as a leader and with the people around you. And I think that's very important.
1: I, th- I think that's, that's such a great question. Uh, it may end up uh, on our interview bank. Uh, so <laughs> I think it's a, it's a great question. What, one thing I did want to ask you about is, is the process of, you know, tackling, um, tackling really challenging um, problems within the company or, or basically arriving at a plan. Uh, so what is the, I mean, for, for the season leader that has maybe, uh, seen battle tested approaches and now, you know, you're coming up with, with a plan for the team. I mean, it is end of year. So a lot of people are, are working on planning and what, what are some things to, to really keep in mind to, to make sure that you have the best possible plan that's going to keep everyone motivated and engaged, um. How would you approach coming up with that plan?
0: Well, I would say it's very important to engage people when you make the plan so that you're not, you know, just sitting there and saying, oh, hey, here's the plan. (laughs) Here we go. Because I think that's where often, you know, you get this pushback and I don't know if it makes sense. So ideally, you could, you know, involve people already when you are when you're creating um, the plan. But I think, yeah, I mean, I guess we saw this also with the pandemic, right? I mean, you have to be. Your best plan goes out of the window when things are changing. So, involve your people in the planning if you can, um, and yeah, see that you are remaining open um, to um, to change.
1: I guess like one one of the, the the things that you've talked about, you know, in arriving at a plan is a good manager poses open ended questions, uh, and then these. and and then basically using that to basically guide a brainstorming process. One of the things that I, I, I have been curious about is like a lot of us do brainstorming sessions uh, but of course, like if if you're the manager, or person of authority, or senior leader, and you're driving one of these sessions, what what are some pitfalls uh, to basically avoid, or like how do you do this correctly?
0: Mm. I guess the good the good uh, example is the open-ended questions, right? Because if you use closed questions, like don't you think this is a good idea or don't you think you should try out the cabbage soup diet or don't you think then you are kind of like leading you know with with, with your questions so I guess um if you really want to do a brainstorm session is that it's important that you really have this role as facilitator or it's as, as coach in that sense and I'm not trying to over you know empower it because I guess people also often you know you're the leader so they say oh yeah if whatever you say is right. So they, they might even, you know, fear that. So I guess you need to create also a culture where people uh, feel comfortable in talking, you know, and where it's actually good to, um, how can I say this, to criticize, but not in a, not means in a negative way, but it's also good to criticize, you know, the leader and in, in the sense of, Hey, you know, my idea is different. And, and, and to really bounce it off because otherwise we just create recreating yourself, (laughs) you know, in the sense of everybody just says, yes, yes, yes to you. And maybe that's nice in the moment, but does it really um, bring out the best idea? Not so sure.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the nice things about coaching is that if you can get good at it, you know, this is going to help develop your team better than otherwise, right? Because they are thinking actively using, maybe they're learning some anecdotes or some shared experiences and and you're doing some mentoring, but but eventually they will be able to uh, make decisions on their own and so in theory, uh, it may seem like you're doing a little bit more work and it may be more time consuming in the beginning, but actually over time, you will actually get more time back uh, in your calendar. So one question I have then is like, you know, how do you, how do you figure out like when you should do check-ins or like how often? So once you have been working with, with someone for a longer period of time and and they get really good and maybe one day they ask the questions that you have been asking, they're able to ask those uh, of themselves. So how do you see your relationship developing over the course of time? if you've been a good coach?
0: Wow, um, So first of all, I love it. You're such a good promoter of the coaching, so you should come, you should come with me to one of the next workshops, It's very nice. Um, but um, all right, to answer your question, I think it's very hard to give like a standard, standardized, how you say this in English? Like a general answer, um, because I guess it depends on the person, but I'm so happy that you mentioned it because I mean, again, I'm a big promoter of, of leadership coaching. Um, but I also don't want to neglect the downsides. So we've just um, put in a paper on ethical issues on leadership coaching and exactly that is is one of them. So it's around boundaries, you know, Um, what if you empower somebody so much and then they think they make this decision and then, all of a sudden, you know, everything derails. So you're absolutely right. I guess you have to also reflect in those coaching conversations, you know, when to touch base at what moment. But I guess that depends on the topic. That depends on the person. Um, But it doesn't mean uh, leadership coaching is not laissez-faire. So it doesn't mean like you're doing nothing and you just lay back and whatever goes, goes. But I I guess it really depends on the the topic and on both sides. I think it should be not only the leader saying, you know, um, Catch face with me then, but also you know, uh, hey, feel free to, of course, you know, ask me anytime and um, when when there's something going on. But ideally, of course, you create more people who coach. Yes,
1: doing something like this is uh, is kind of like the best long term solution. And what's interesting is like you know when I think about you know this style of management. You know, one of the things, of course, for like growing organizations is that you, you kind of want like this style to be adopted across the board. And, uh, wouldn't it be great if the expert that was on your team that you're one day going to promote into being a manager, like learned, you know, how to be a coach because you had been a coach to them. Um, and this, this can be kind of this self-reinforcing cycle to, to get everybody to apply this more. So I I think it starts from from the person, from, you know, whoever's listening.
0: And you're so right. We know that, I mean, there's also the term like, you know, coaching cultures so that organizations trying to create coaching cultures. So it's not like, one individual just, you know, fighting the good fight, so to speak, but that there there is actually support and, and managers can exchange with each other, and then you, yeah, that you you know develop those skills um, not only for for top management but really for 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 everyone who is who's open to it. So absolutely.
1: So one question is that say that you you have this coaching mindset and someone comes to you with a decision, like I intend to do blah and immediately uh you know your your expert mind uh you know comes into play and you want to kind of dissuade this course of action because it is a uh has has potential repercussions like how do you do this without being uh a micromanager and someone who's controlling
0: mm. <clears throat> It's funny that you say this because uh, the, the leader as coach role is often referred to as the most difficult coaching role. So compared to external coaches, or executive coaches, or internal coaches, you know, like somebody from the HR department, and it's exactly because of that. Because what you just described is, yes, okay, I, I would like to coach on this and I want to use my coaching skills – but as a, as a leader, I also now know, as you said, repercussions or I, I know this is, you know, not going to work. So I guess it's a fine line between, you know, not censoring yourself too early and just going, oh, I know everything. I know everything because I'm the leader. So this is a bad idea. So it's kind of like remaining open. But at the same time, of course, it's a thin line, because if you really know um, this is a bad call, um, then, of course, as a leader, you also have to, uh, you know, stay within that. And Again, it doesn't mean laissez-faire and letting everything run. Of course, as a leader, and that's why it's so challenging, you also operate within the organizational constraints, right? So you can't say to somebody, yeah, do whatever you want. I mean, you still have targets to achieve and so on. But I think within that, within these, you know, goalposts, there's so much room to, again, let people contribute in a way that makes most sense to everyone, Um that we should do more
1: of that. Yes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, Julia, we we've talked about uh, we've talked about a lot today. We talked about how motivational and micromanaging is not coaching. Uh, we've talked about you know how we should promote from within and like set people with the right coaching mindset before even they become. Uh, managers we've talked about direct reports and like how often you should meet and get alignment so many so many things that we've talked about one of the questions that we ask uh, all of the guests on the show is for all the managers and leaders out there constantly looking to get better at their craft what tips, tricks, or final uh, parting words of wisdom, would you leave them with?
0: Well, the only thing I can't do right now is give advice. I'm sorry. (laughs) That would would really go against everything I just said. So I would maybe end with with a question. I would ask, um, well, yes, when when are you at your most kind of like powerful moment? When are you uh, the most happy? When are you the most floating? And how can you do and uh, maybe more of that and put yourself as a leader in a situation where you have the time to do more of that? And then how can you do all of this? In terms of bringing this out in every team member, so how can you, how can we make kind of like organizations and work a happier place by really letting people be in their most powerful and most um, happiest, and of course also ideally most productive moment. What might work for me, I can tell you what makes me happy, um, but it might not be what makes you the most happy. So. And that goes the same for every team
1: member. I think, I think those are all really great questions and also a great place to end it. Uh, Julia, thanks so much for doing this.
0: Thank you so much for
1: having me. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Supermanagers podcast. You can find the show notes and transcript at www.fellow.app slash Supermanagers. If you like the content, be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you can get notified when we post the next episode. And please, tell your friends and fellow managers about it. It'd be awesome if you could help
0: us spread the word about the show. See you next time.